welcome to episode 122 of Kapowcast, our Ant-Man and Wasp review. Yeah. No Jeff today. We're a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. I am Mike, and with me today is Tony. Hello. And we're going to talk Ant-Man. But first, we're going to talk news. What kind of news, Mike? Sad news. Oh. Steve Ditko died. That's a bummer. Which, uh... Like I, I said beforehand, I this may sound bad. <laughs> totally thought he was already dead. Totally I, dead. Like, I thought so too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, when 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 the announcement happened, I was like, what? And then he, he was ninety. Right? Yes. Yeah. So Stan Lee's probably sitting there going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <Pizza>. <laughs> true believers. <laughs> No, like, because I saw somebody had posted like a rest in peace Steve Ditko thing, and I'm like, was it like the anniversary of his death? <laughs> As I blow a snap bubble out my nose. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I was like, and then I looked up, I'm like, oh, I guess he, I guess he died. Yeah. Old age though, right? Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. 90's a hell of a. That's a long life. That's a feat. I could only hope. To live to 90, but chances are due to the amounts of caffeine and sportsman's pizza rolls I've eaten over the years. <laughs> that's sorely out of the question. That's usually every Friday thing now for me. Really? Yeah. I haven't had one in probably like a month, month or two. I try to space it out. <laughs> I usually eat like one and a half. Yeah. That's when I'm being good. <laughs> one and a half? One and a half. Oh. Dude, I could down probably like three of those if I tried and not even like make a mark. Like I'm like, we're good. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you are not <laughs> familiar with the Downriver area and Sportsman's Pizza Rolls, uh, which by the way, we don't have a deal with them at all. No. But they are these... They're probably about, I'd say, as big as, like, from my elbow to my... Yeah, I would say made they're, about, they're about 12, 12 inches. Yeah, and they are these things are just chocked full of grease. Just, like, <laughs> I used to jokingly say, like, it's not grease, it's dipping sauce. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Like, it just pools at the bottom, <laughs> and you have to, like, instinctively, like, ah, dip it, ah, scoop it up in there, get it all <laughs> nice and clean. Oh, it's so good. If you don't do that, you're eating it the wrong you way. You are. If you're ever in the Metro Detroit Downriver area... Strongly recommend you go there because they are so good. Yeah. Their pizza is pretty, pretty Their pizza is awesome. not bad, too. I actually just had their uh, cheese bread not too long ago, too, mm-hmm. and that was also delicious. I was like, this place, no. It's like it's like a, it's like a chapel, you know? It's, just like, <laughs> it's a holy grail. Like every, I feel like they think every town, I don't know how we went from Stevia Ditko to pizza rolls, but <laughs> Cause here we are. We're going to die from eating them. <laughs> That's how we, it's true. But like every town or area, I think has like their their niche things. Yeah, and I would like to think that sportsmen would be like a niche thing here. It's like a thing that true downriver person like you have to have had it. Like up there with like Bob Joe's ice cream, and, right? Bafos, uh, Bafos, or like even like you you're under the impression that there's Coney Islands like everywhere. Yeah, but no, yeah. it's like instinctively it's like a downriver Michigan. Yep. Not just downriver, but like it's like a Michigan thing. Yeah. Coney Islands are uh, strictly Michigan. You'll find other things that are kind of the same niche in a sense. Like you go, you know, past the border into Ohio and they have like waffle houses. Yeah. You know, so yeah, like we don't that's have the Coney Island of Ohio. And we don't have places. a lot of waffle houses. I don't no. think we have any. Waffle I don't think we have any. We have an IHOP, but they suck. IHOP. IHOP. Sorry. IHOP. My bad. Anywho, 
Another news thing that I really wanted to get Jeff's opinion on too, but I'm just going to have to settle for you. Let's just say <laughs> that, that, that came off wow. a lot worse than I meant it to. Strike number two. I wanted both of your, I wanted both of your opinions, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to have to deal with just having one opinion. We could call um, them. Skype them. <laughs> Skype them. DC a couple weeks ago announced official launch of their streaming service mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that's going to be available. And I'm actually really excited for it. I don't I'm, know if you've looked into it. I've looked into it a bit. I'm excited, but I'm very fearful that they have bit off a lot with the launching of all the, with the planning of launching of all these new TV, TV shows. shows and stuff. Like that's a lot of shows to like kind of keep under wraps and make sure the, you know, quality is all good and everything like that. And with TV shows like DC has never really done wrong by me. As you guys know, like I, I love Arrow. I love the Flash. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is great. Uh, I've even watched, I sat down and watched Black Lightning. Black Lightning's enjoyable as all hell. So like, I know that DC can do their TV shows. So I'm not like super duper worried. I just never seen them launch this many shows at one time along with their own streaming service. So I'm very worrisome that like it's just going to stumble and fall out the gate. I'm having slight flashbacks of when they launched the WWE Network. Yeah. Because it was like, how is this going to work? Yeah. Like, are you going to be able to fill enough content to justify somebody paying a subscription? Mm-hmm. Then you realize, it's okay, it's not just original shows they're going to be doing. They're going to have their whole Bat catalog. Yeah. They're going to have HD quality episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. And Justice League, the old Wonder Woman series, all the old DC films, all the old Batman ones. So you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And they're also apparently going to be having exclusive offers for members only. So you're going to be able to purchase exclusive merchandise only if you're a member of the app or the streaming service. You'll have access to purchase this stuff. The first of these being the DC Collectibles Justice League Unlimited figures. Okay. Like they were doing the Batman ones for a while. Now they're going to release Justice League ones. Well, not Justice League Unlimited, but just regular Justice League. But, you know, you're going to be able to buy Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash, Wonder Woman, Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter, and Aquaman. And you can only purchase them through the app. Are they going to release worldwide later at a later I date? I don't know. They haven't said. Because that's also pretty risky. Almost like a shitty left-hand hook to like... It's it's definitely something where you you can tell they're like trying to pull in. So people come in yeah, like, more. I get that. And so you have to spend money to spend more money. Yeah. <laughs> but Which they, I don't like. They tag that hard because that's... People are going to do that, especially if they get upfront buying rights to get these characters of these action figures that are already hot sellers. But I was saying, like, I feel like it's kind of like if they don't release them at a later date worldwide, it's kind of a kick to the dick of like comic book stores and other markets in which sell these type of things. Basically kind of giving a big middle finger like, hey, we don't need you anymore. It's funny you mention that because they're also going to have I don't know how in depth it's going to be, but they're going to have a bunch of their comics on there, too. Like for streaming, like that, you can read them. Yep. Okay. So like if you have a tablet or something, like you can just, and I'm like, Ooh, it's, you're right. It's risky. It's a risky, risky gamble. And I'm curious if it's going to work. And then I'm interested to see how it plays off as far as will Marvel end up having slash Disney. Well, no, they are going to have a response because yeah, Disney. Disney is also. So now this has me even more concerned because the whole point of, 
of streaming at this point for me as a consumer is I can stream stuff and not have to pay a hundred plus dollars mm-hmm. on my cable bill. Right. I could don't I don't have to have cable. Mm-hmm. Well now, okay, you factor in, you get a Netflix subscription. Mm-hmm. You got a Hulu subscription. Mm-hmm. Oh, but maybe now I want the DC one. Oh, and then to D- the DC one, if I want to watch any DC stuff, because they'll probably pull it from all that stuff. Yeah. And then Disney is obviously going to pull a bunch of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to, if you want to watch any of that Disney stuff, you're going to have to get the Disney one. So you got Amazon, Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. If I don't have that, but I do have the WWE network. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting up there. Yeah. If, if you just roughly, I mean, I don't know what the price of all this stuff is, but roughly 10 bucks. Yeah. $60 right there. Mm-hmm. Flashback five, I think about five years ago, I was having a discussion about this because for a long time when I moved out of my mom's house, we didn't have cable. We didn't have anything. I didn't, I had my movie collection. That's pretty much all I had. And then we started, you know, getting Netflix, Hulu and all that stuff and kind of adding it up. And people were like, well, who needs cable? We don't need cable anymore. And I, I said something along the lines. I go, well, you know, screw cable. I get that and everything, but give it time and you'll be spending just as much money on streaming services as you will your cable bill because everybody's going to start wanting to do it because there's a, there's a market and there's a profit to be had. And everyone's going to have their exclusive content. Yep. So you want to watch... Arrested Development, sorry, you have to have Netflix. Yep. You want to watch, um, fuck, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's exclusively on Hulu. Bob's Burgers. But, oh, yeah. Bob's, Bob's Burgers. Burgers. You want to watch new episodes? You got to get Hulu. Like I said, Disney is going to launch their own streaming service, and DC is going to do theirs. And uh. I mean, we're already sitting, because we have Sling, too. Oh, yeah, so. I have Sling TV as well. Yeah, like I'm probably sitting at roughly close to $80, $90 in streaming fees already because I have Amazon, which is about roughly a little less than 10 bucks a month, but I heard the price was going up. Netflix, Sling, got the WWE Network. I probably rack in probably $60 to $80 in streaming fees alone. Oh, I have YouTube Red. Oh, I don't have YouTube Red. Yeah. I, not having to deal with the ads alone was is wonderful. And it apparently it gives a better kickback to like the actual uh, creators mm-hmm. of content on YouTube. So that suckered me in. Like I said, it's give it time and you'll be paying like $120 a month in streaming fees. Easy. My thing was like, I'm always going to try to limit. Like I'm like, I got Netflix and Hulu, so I'm not going to really need Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. But now like with the DC app, I'm like, ooh, it's a little enticing. Mm-hmm. But then again, you see how things go when it comes to like getting those exclusive figures and stuff. Maybe they'll do a thing like a lot of streaming services do like, oh, your first month is free. Right. So you can sign up and cancel. Right. <laughs> Which I have. I am not above doing <laughs> by any stretch. I am. Al- I'm always super terrible about doing that. Like I'll sit down and be like, oh, first month's free. I'll just cancel after the first month and I won't get charged yet. Yeah. Uh, six months in, I'm like, oh, I haven't canceled that yet. Shit. I haven't watched it since I got the free month. Shit. That's $60 down the hole. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you can do that, more power to you. But I'm so forgetful when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> and I, I just look at the credit card statement and I go, what? W- oh, damn it. <laughs> damn you, Vince McMahon. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> that stupid walk. So let's talk Ant-Man and the Lost. The, the 20th film from Marvel. Whoa. 20th. 20 films in 10 years. Yes, that mathematically is two films a year. You break it down. But yes, it is the 20th film. Yeah, I feel like your brain has just exploded. Um, 
I'm blanking right now. What was the 19th? Infinity War. Was that? Yes. Oh, because, well, they were marketing 18 films and then it, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was that epic saga of a, of a movie. And then, yeah, wow, 20 films. That's crazy. Um, I didn't even think about that. For me, this movie is, it was kind of funny. Like, for me, this movie is actually kind of the unofficial end of the summer movie season because there really isn't anything coming out after this that I can think of within the next month or so that I'm interested in seeing. So I want to ask you a question, and I could get mad right now. I don't know. The movie, when it first starts, like I'm talking like the very first second of the movie, how does it start for you? It started with the traditional way the Marvel movies do with a flashback. And it's kind of like a flashback of Michael Douglas telling Hope again about what happened to Janet. But you also get a bit more. You see them leaving Hope. You know, they're saying they're going out. Did it cut straight to the front of the house? The reason I'm asking is because when we went to go see it, there was a storm. And the cut between some sort of segment, some promotional segment for the new Tom Cruise movie and then into the movie felt really weird. But it didn't feel like I missed anything. And I'm like... I don't know if I missed something in the very beginning or if like, I don't feel like I missed something, but if I feel I, like it might've, I don't know. I'd have to, I mean, it's one of those things like you're, you're asking me and I'm like, well, I wasn't really paying enough attention. Like it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, all right. Well, cool. Because obviously we're, we're on the same page and that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Cause I was going to get kind of angry if I had missed something. Cause I was, I sat there afterwards and I was like, should we go see it again? I feel like I need to see it again. Cause I don't know if I missed something at the very beginning. It was, what's weird is the, uh, I don't know this movie, like it, it just felt so much smaller to infinity war. And I mean, and gratefully show it should like, I agree, but I disagree at the same time. I had a fear that following Infinity War, that this would just kind of be a brush off. It was just going to, okay, there was Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's fine. But I felt that like it was a, it was a solid follow-up. Oh, it was. The fact that it was a, it was a solid follow-up to the first one really kind of helped plant it after Infinity War, where it didn't feel like the uh, edge of the shadow, if you will. I agree. This movie had an interesting thing where it had to be kind of a follow-up to Infinity War, but at the same time, it's also a follow-up to like Civil War. And it's also a follow-up to Ant-Man, yeah. like catching up to all these things that have been going on since we last saw Ant-Man. And I mean, I, for one, welcomed the smaller scale, no pun intended, the the smaller scale of things and the less like, you know, worth, worth world ending this combination <laughs> of earth and world world ending scenario and stuff like that so it was a fun yeah it's it, a lot more fun than infinity lifted, war yeah it lifted up the the such i guess such a sad note that infinity war left out on cuz then we obviously we we meet up with scott again and he he got himself into some trouble but there's the 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 sequence with him and his daughter at the very beginning where mm-hmm. they're like crawling through the maze was completely adorable and hilarious at the same exact time. <laughs> like it wasn't overly stupid hilarious, but it was just that kind of like cute hilarious that was. I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me at first. I was like, where the fuck did he find a time to do all this? And <laughs> well, then they're like, well, he was on house arrest. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. That <laughs> and, makes sense. And when you're a guy like him, I'm sure he's he's going completely insane being locked inside four walls the whole time. Not to mention he doesn't even get to go outside and like enjoy things with his daughter yeah or anybody for that case i did i do like how it did i was hoping that it would explain where ant-man has been and why he wasn't part of infinity war and i feel like that also kind of indirectly tells you what's going on with hawkeye too yeah 
Because, you know, a lot of people were like, where the fuck's Hawkeye? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of that, they, they kind of placed this movie almost alongside of Infinity War in a timeline sense. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Like, I'm trying to figure out exactly timeline-wise when it's taking place. If it's taking place right before the offensive Infinity War, if it's taking place during it. Like, I feel like if it was taking place during, maybe, well, maybe not. Because the only thing that really happened in Infinity War on Earth, aside from the battle in Wakanda, which people wouldn't know about, is the battle in New York. And that kind of shit also happens all the time. <laughs> I would say pro- I would I would say that the timeline shift it, it is like Ant Man. All the events of the actual movie of Ant Man probably happened right before Infinity War because I feel like something like what happens in Infinity War can it, it, it's not going to go unnoticed. Yes, you know, like giant circle alien yeah, shit that's shows true. up. Yeah, and you know Scott doesn't hear a thing about it, so I'd say probably like this all happens uh, between um, Civil War and Infinity right War. before Infinity War. Because what did they say the time? Yeah, between uh, two Infinity, years, two two years. Well, it was yeah. two years between Civil War and this Ant Man movie. Right. So go with that, what you will. What'd you think about CG Michael Douglas again? and yeah. CG Michelle Pfeiffer? They need to cool it. <laughs> and CG Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. They need to cool it. <laughs> with the de-aging, okay? Like, seriously. I think it's getting better and better. It is, but at the same time, it's, like, becoming almost this, like, trope. Like, it started off, I'm like, oh, and we're starting off the movie again with de-aging characters. <laughs> like, it happens all the time now. I think I'm okay with it because I've spoke about the gap between First Avenger and then the rest of the timeline and how there's so much stuff that, you know, could have happened and I would like to see that point in time. So they're kind of giving me what I want. They do feel it is a good way to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And like uh, Captain Marvel is going to help do that a lot. Right. Yeah. Which we'll see more of the de-aging. We'll yeah. probably see a lot of de-aging in that because if it's going to be placed in the 90s, there's going to be like de-aged Nick Fury. Uh, Nick Fury. Um, Coulson. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I want Coulson to have like a really 90s haircut. Me too. Maybe like an earring. Maybe like a bowl cut. Or something like that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. With Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. <laughs> Give it to me, Marvel. <laughs> I did get a, a bit of a Iron Man 3 vibe in the movie with Scott Lang's with the Ant-Man suit constantly malfunctioning. Yeah. That- but it was, it was, I think it was handled a lot better. And it was just really the fucking part in the school. Let's just oh, that. <laughs> that oh, <laughs> I lost it. I Steph asked me when we left. She's like, "What was your favorite part?" I was like, "The part in the school." <laughs> like, where's your hall pass? And he's just <laughs> running. <laughs> I think I think I was laughing through that whole thing. Like I was just like I was doing that controlled laughter where I was like holding my my mouth and just like rumbling like a bowl of jelly <laughs> <laughs> and just losing it. Cause you're right. That was like, that was fucking hilarious. Oh, they, it was so simple. It was. And the suit malfunctioning thing. Like, yeah, I, it kind of got on my nerves. You know, he said it was a prototype or whatever of that nature, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, all right, you, what was, what was different tech wise with this? From suit, what we've already from, used. Yeah. From what we've already used. It's like, and you're Hank Pym. You're supposed to be like top tier, like you know, next to the Starks and stuff. Yeah. Even your prototype should be fantastic. Like at least you know Tony had a reasoning for his prototype being a piece of crap. It's because he was dealing with PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. You know, the, um, Hank Pym's just being fucking lazy. <laughs> to add to the school part, like when he gets out 
and he gets in the car and he's like, how, how was school today, champ? <laughs> you want a juice box? Want a juice box? Drink <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Oh my god. It was so good. Another standout part for me was the part where Janet is taking over Scott's body. Oh fuck. I know. Like that was a, that was such a weird part where it's like it's supposed to be serious, but at the same time it's really <laughs> funny. It's because of Paul Rudd, dude. Like I, I I had said something during the film. I was like, I feel like this is supposed to be serious, but I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Like it just seeing him like Paul Rudd like took on Michelle Pfeiffer's mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Like when he was talking as Janet, I felt like I was actually watching Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> <laughs> like in a mocap suit. Oscar for Paul Rudd. <laughs> and I was like, like how many hours did you have to watch Michelle Pfeiffer to get her all her little like facial mannerisms down? And you know what's crazy is uh. Her head turns. Oh, my God. I can't even think of, like, what was the last movie that I even seen with Michelle Pfeiffer in it? The first one that popped in my head was I Am Sam. And that was, like, early 2000s. Yeah, I'm I'm sure she's had something else after that. It's been a long time. Yeah. Good to to have her back. I know, dude. It's, uh, It's really weird because I'm sure just like every other guy on the face of the earth, when I was little and seen Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer became my, like, extremely older crush and now it hasn't changed like she's was, she's aged so well it was funny because steph turned to me like a, when the first bit of credits were going and she was like michelle pfeiffer is still a fox i know <laughs> I seriously like, she looks great the action scenes in this movie i was kind of worried that uh, they were going to utilize the shrinking and you know enlarging stuff too much uh-huh. or that it may be like the the novelty of it all kind of wore off yeah but it didn't how it was still like super awesome to see like the cards, like when they would shrink and go big again. And mm-hmm. like, I thought that was pretty inventive. My only gripe really is like all that stuff was kind of seen in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the action was per usual with a lot of these Marvel movies, unfortunately. Oh, I'm a dumbass. She was in uh murder on the Orient, Orient, Orient express. You're right. Yeah. I always say, I want to say Oriental Express. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> every time I had to stop myself from fucking up. Murder on the Oriental Express. You see? You see? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could, I could see that. Yeah, I know. Because um, uh, I thought I was saying it right for a long time. <laughs> what? What did you think of the villain? I mean, I mean could she really be considered a villain? Like... Uh, well, it I was mean, a real gray area kind of for her. Yeah. I can see how she could be a villain because she was willing to cross the line with taking Scott's kid, Scott's kid yeah. and stuff. I said this to Janelle afterwards. Uh, I said, all right, you might get mad at me for this. I go, but ghost, she had this really weird, like creepy, sexy vibe to her. <laughs> and she's like, I'll give you that. She goes, she goes, I don't know what it was, but I, I understand what you're saying. And I was like, yeah. Like every time she'd come on screen, I'd be like, man, it's, you, you a bad person, but no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the I grand scheme I, of things, she was trying to basically get the stuff to stop herself from dying. Yeah. Like, you can't really fault a person. Right. <laughs> too much for that. I mean, granted the means could be a little drastic and like, oh, cause they were, she was willing to pulled Janet out and, and extracted from her, which would kill her. Yeah. I also like that how this accident happened to Ghost and then S.H.I.E.L.D. brought her in as an operative and trained her. 
yeah. bringing back that whole shield Hydra kind of ordeal, yep. which is like kind of been almost cast to the wayside like it didn't happen. And it's kind of upsetting because that was like one big turn of the uh, MCU. There still really isn't a shield anymore, is there? Uh, no, I mean... I mean, I mean, we haven't seen any real signs, but I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, that's why I, I, I'm kind of confused in saying yes and no, because, like, there is a S.H.I.E.L.D. cell, but it isn't the S.H.I.E.L.D. that we know, and they're not making an appearance or their presence known in the MCU, just in the show. So it's kind of like, okay, where do we stand with this? I agree. It's always nice when they kind of mention stuff in these Marvel movies that, like, echo back to the past. Yeah. But not do it in a deliberate way where it's like, look at this. <laughs> no big, no big reveal. Just kind of like a little footnotes or Easter eggs, if you will. Yeah. I was, I don't know about you, but uh, when Ghost captures Hope, Hank Pym, and Scott, mm-hmm. and then Lawrence Fishburne's character walks out and get the, we get the reveal that he's working with Ghost to save her, I was kind of thrown to the side. Like... I don't know if it was because his introduction like just happened. That I feel like it could have happened a little later in the movie. I, I don't. Really, I, I didn't have. An, I don't have an argument as to it was too soon or too late. I was just. I didn't really see it coming. Oh no! Yeah, I was just like, oh crap! Like okay. Like I, I, I was a little like I was like, oh really? I was like, you're gonna make Goliath a bad guy? Yeah. I was like, that's kind of. But that's the weird, weird thing. Like he really wasn't. Neither one of them were literally like terrible people. Like you said, she was only getting the stuff to save her own life. She was dying. Um, and people would do pretty drastic things. I'm, I'm assuming everybody would do drastic things to save their own life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's as painful as it, she made it sound like that every molecule is pretty much being tore apart it was, every second. Yeah. By the way, we're going to talk about spoilers in this. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say. If you haven't caught on yet. You haven't caught on. Um, but... To even go like further, like it was, it was kind of a weird ending for the movie. Mm-hmm. Very open ending. Yeah, like because uh, Janet come gets out of the quantum realm, mm-hmm. and she apparently at some point has adopted some kind of powers from this, right? And she uses those powers to heal Ghost. Yeah, and then like everything's like honky dory, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of a weird, weirder ending. I'm, I'm hoping that comes into play at a later point in time there's more yeah like i i hope that doesn't get left open as wide as it as because at it one did. point you're like you're gonna be like well what happened to the ghost character right or what happened to any of them goliath's character yeah or any of them for that matter well some of them we know what happened but i mean i, I as far as you know ranking it marvel movie wise i left i thought hey, definitely the middle of the pack film yeah I enjoyed it. I would have to say that I enjoyed it more than the first Ant-Man only because the origin story of Scott and him becoming Ant-Man is kind of already flat for me. Like it's very kind of one dimensional. Um, The whole uh, criminal turned superhero Mm -hmm. is kind of just it's like a one line intro. So a lot of the stuff in, in the first movie was there kind of like it saved it for me like Louise. And his long-winded stories and stuff like well, that. Well, I think and the comedy. A lot of these movies, for me personally, the like the reason I always like the sequels a bit better is because we're past that origin story. Yeah, yeah. Like that's why Spider-Man: Homecoming was awesome because it was an origin story, but not really an origin story. Yeah. Like it was, you know, weird kind of thing. And 
but yeah, I agree with you. Like you kind of you bypass the you're you're already there. Yeah, you bypass that whole thing. You were just now kind of seeing Scott come into the superhero rank, and not so much treating it as a burden, like he kind of did with uh, the first film. Like I don't want this. This is not what I wanted. And um, not to mention, there was I had one gripe of the film mm-hmm. is at certain points they kind of made Scott seem a little bit like a dummy. Like when Hope and Pam are talking and they're talking, you know, their science lingity, he's just kind of like, yeah, I didn't understand a word you said. Where like, (laughs) this is like the same guy that can like hack a security system of any like rich person. Like he he obviously, he's not a stupid person. In order to do that, like you're not dumb. For them to kind of depict him as like, not necessarily bumbling. Not, yeah, no, not bumbling, but just having this like handicap to anything outside of his bubble, which I I guess in a sense, now that I said it like that, it makes sense because I know a lot of people that like if it's not within their bubble, they just don't, you know, they don't want to know about it. But you would think he would have some knowledge if he had been working with them as much as right, they right. stated in the in the film. Not to mention Hank breaks down the science of like the pim particle and stuff to him in the first movie and, you know, tells him don't go... Uh, subatomic subatomic that's the word and hope explains things about the technology and all the other stuff like that like so he he has a background he kind of grasps and understand this thing but like it seemed like every time they'd bring up that same factor he's like yeah i don't know but let's do it (laughs) (laughs) i can see that i would say that was my only gripe it's not even a big gripe it's just kind of like well see I don't buy that. I don't buy it because he's not. He's a, he's a smart man. He's a smart man. <laughs> I really enjoyed the uh, one uh, detective or FBI agent. Oh my god! Yeah, that was trying to to he, get him. He's uh he was he played a small part in the disaster artist. Here's the thing: <laughs> we're watching it, and like every time he pops on screen, I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> I've seen him before. Yeah. And Steph's like, he's been in a lot of things. Like, I kind of, and she's like, he was in uh, the interview, Kim uh, Jong Un. Yeah. And I, was like, oh, I was like, okay. I was like, that's not it. And then she's like, he was also Asian Jim in the office. Oh, and I was like, yeah. oh, shit. I was like, that's what it is. <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, that's right. He was Asian Jim. Fantastic. Probably one of the best moments in the office. Yes. Asian Jim. That didn't even happen until later in the series. Yeah, yeah, that was a but it no, was it, was, it was good. But I thought he was really good. Like I love the part at the end where like he tells me he's like, I'll be seeing you. And they have that whole exchange. <laughs> he's like, Well, I thought maybe you'd be asking me out to dinner. And he's like, No, why would I ask you out to dinner? And he's like, Do you want to do you want to go to trying to go to dinner? And I was just like, Oh. <laughs> and he had a lot of like weird, like he almost had this like golly G Willikers vibe to him, which I thought was really hilarious. I'm like, man, I want to see more of that character. It's funny that you said that because I, I kind of tagged him um, as like a new Coulson. Yeah. Like one of those characters that were probably a one-off, but I guarantee a lot of people are going to find him like just completely hysterical and want more. Yes, for sure. And like, and that's the thing with this movie is now I'm going to kind of back up a little bit of your argument here. Okay. Even though, I personally, uh, I really liked that Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. I can understand where somebody could watch this movie and be like, okay, the comedy didn't feel out of place. This this feels like that should be happening in this movie. Yeah. Whereas some people maybe with like a Thor Ragnarok or even like a Doctor Strange are like, it's good, 
little too much comedy. Mm-hmm. To me, like none of the comedy, nothing felt out of place. Like it felt like that's the that's the Ant Man world. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it didn't feel out of place or, or almost too too much. I mean, that their lead role, their their star is known for a comedy chop. That still blows my mind. There's no getting around it that Paul Rudd's delivery, comedy wise, is like fantastic. It's nothing like amazing. It's just it's so ordinary that it's extraordinary. Yes, it's yeah, it's subtle. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I agree. I was watching it and I'm like, man, I'm like, how much how many more movies do you think of this is Paul Rudd gonna do? Mm-hmm. Because he's getting up there in age too. But he doesn't look like it. No, he doesn't age a bit because he still looks the same exact way that he did in freaking clueless. But she was twenty four in clueless. In clueless, yes. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> We all could wish to and hope and dream to age as gracefully. Yeah. It's that Hollywood stuff. I guess. Maybe. maybe? I don't know. I feel like Paul Rudd's one of those guys that just doesn't take life seriously. And that's really kind of helped him. <laughs> like He will be, uh, I think he will be 50. I think you might Next, be right. Born April 6, 1969. I, yeah, that's what to say. I'm looking at it. Holy shit. That's yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. 50 years old and looking that good. Maddening. I almost want to kill him. <laughs> Maybe if I drink his blood, <laughs> I'll take his life force. Hey, uh, Mike, what you got there? I got Paul Rudd's throat. <laughs> Paul Rudd blood. <laughs> I just, I don't need all, just maybe some of it. Just a, you know, a little zipple. Just maybe. <laughs> just try it. See if it works. Just a shot of it. Uh, Paul Rudd. Guy hey. still has all of his hair too. He does. Shit. Yeah, I like that you just have a picture of Paul Rudd on my <laughs> computer. You're just looking at. I'm him. just examining him with his cheekbones. So post credit scenes. There's yeah. two of them. Yeah. Second one, not very consequential. No. You just kind of. I was I was going to tell you that the other night, but you got all lippy with me, so I said, like, <laughs> "Fuck you." Well, Steph had said that somebody at work told her that the second one was like one of the. St- quote unquote, stupid Marvel ones where it's like, you know, like I said, unconsequential. Yeah. And it was just like the amp playing its drums. The same shot that we've seen in the trailers. Yeah. Theoretically um, after the snap. Yep. Cause you get, you get the, you get the hint of that because uh, the TV's kind of gone blank with like the emergency broadcast yeah. deal. So like, it's definitely led into the end of the, the first credit scene, post credit scene. It started off, I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, it's going to happen. I knew it. Like, yeah. I, without reading anything, I knew what the fuck was about to happen. <laughs> you know, he goes into the quantum realm, and she makes a little mention in there about not going towards the time yeah. area, or I forget what the exact wording. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's interesting. I didn't even, like, I caught it, but I didn't put it together. Because um, I, was, I was more... Like trying to go, who's going? Who's what's happening? Scott goes into the quantum realm and he tells him he'll get his the quantum energy, yeah, to help heal ghosts. And then you know they pull him out and he's radio with him. And all of a sudden the radio goes silent and the camera goes. You just see the remains of the dust falling. And Steph was sitting next to me and she was just like, "No, no." <laughs> I go. <laughs> It, it happens, and I'm like, 
oh, shit. And I leaned over. I go, soon as the heart mends, they come back to break it again. Janelle had, it was right at the beginning, and she sat down. We sat down. She goes, so who do you think going to disappear? I go, I know somebody's going to disappear. I'm not going to build expectations. She goes, I think it's going to be his daughter. And I go, that's cold, woman. I go, I don't think it's going to be his daughter. That's too cold. I did not see him because obviously there's been things posted that he's been caught on set and the whole like uh, reenactment or something of that. Battle of uh, New York. Yeah, the Battle of New York uh, reassembly. I don't even know what to call it. I know Paul Rudd was going to make it out. I did not know Paul Rudd was going to get stunk. <laughs> stunk. Stunk. Get, get stuck stunk. In the, uh, stuck in the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a curveball for me. I was like, oh, crap. Like, he's in the quantum realm. And she's like, well, he got out of the quantum realm before. I go, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit different because he shrunk down into the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. You know, he was subatomic. And that's how he entered. So then it's an easy reversal. He just enlarges himself again. Could that happen? Could he just re-enlarge himself and get out of the quantum realm again? Or is it different because he went through the gateway? And then, like you just said, there's something about the time portion of it, which was interesting. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Like, I heard it, but I I did not connect it. But I was very saddened to see my hot MILF, Michelle Pfeiffer. She might be GILF. I was about to say, maybe GILF. Um, wow, I've never had a gilf before. <laughs> That's a new one. You just kind of saw uh, Pim and Janet, what remained of them. I was hoped, I didn't see any, a third dust puddle, but I'm assuming. I, well, I mean, there was like Janet, Hank was over on the comms, and then Hope was right there next. Mm, so maybe Hank. they were just kind of like, almost looked like one. I th- I want to say that I've seen like a three in the sense of the matter, but I kind of rang it up as... All three of them disappeared. Now, but that would be also another curveball. Here's like, a question. With him being in the quantum realm, does that mean that the snap would not have applied to him? That's a good question. That's what I'm trying. I mean, was he, is he, was he not, you know, snapped out of existence because he was in the quantum realm? Or was it just that was the luck of the draw for him? I'm going to go with the luck of the draw because I don't think the whole splicing of atoms and everything kind of play into that snap. He's still whole. He's just smaller. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. It makes me very, I mean, I am so ready for fucking Avengers four. I know it's weird. Like I told Steph, like after we got back last night, we were sitting there and I was like, you realize that this is the last Marvel movie we have this year. Mm-hmm. Got a long wait until, uh, uh, March, March next year with Captain Marvel. And even then, it's like you're not getting your follow-up to Infinity War quite yet, but... Michelle Pfeiffer, 1958. Wow. <gasps> yep. She's gaining on 60? 58, 67. I'd, say, I'd still say MILF. I don't think it's a GILF yet. No? No. No. Not even in nowadays standards where, like, you know, she could be. But I think she's, I think she's still MILF territory. All right. This I'm not going to argue. This you. is an actual discussion that we're having. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to argue <laughs> what is and isn't considered MILF territory. <laughs> you seem like you kind of have your. Uh, you know who'd really know? Jeff? Cody? Either one of those, actually. <laughs> You're like, eh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, ready 
for Avengers 4. Not only because of Infinity War and that's ending. It's just like, how is all this going to play out? Like, it's so crazy. Like, I know you and Jeff go back and forth about uh, time travel and erasing things, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I'm not against it. I'm not against them doing this if they do it. Like, because it's, that is just such a crazy thing to pull off. Like, if they came out and were just like, yeah, so uh, we're going to go back in time and we're going to fix this whole thing. We're going we're gonna to go to each point where uh, the Infinity Stones come into play and gather them ourselves so Thanos can never get them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not completely against the idea. It's just they got to be careful in how they execute it. There still has to be stakes involved. I want a steak. <laughs> I got those new steak nachos at McDonald's or McDonald's Taco <laughs> hey, Bell. Hey, 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 bring sorry, it back. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, but I'm not totally against the idea of time travel. It just has to be done properly. And, and it doesn't, I don't know, it has to, there has to be stakes involved and it has to make it feel like Avengers Infinity War wasn't a complete waste. Mm-hmm. I read a, um, I guess you, I guess it would be a fan theory that Scott will go back in time, meet up with the Avengers of the battle in New York and pretty much that's how it's cemented in with Hank and Janet becoming the part of the founding members of the Avengers, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think it's a little far-fetched, but rather yeah. interesting. I don't know if you remember, but back in when the first Avengers came out, there was a big stink that uh, Hank Pym wasn't part of the uh, founding members. I mean, Janet even came up with the name The Avengers. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, it's kind of one of those weird things. And then it got even more of a stink when Ultron came into play. Yeah. People were so fucking pissed about that. Yes. Yes. They, they for sure were. I forgive easy. I do too. <laughs> as long as I'm entertained, <laughs> I don't yep. care. Yep. There was a part I was going to ask you. Uh, I can't remember the whole interjection, but there's a part where somebody, oh, go. I think it's Ghost is talking to Hank. And Hank is getting upset. <laughs> and I was just like, careful. He has a history of beating women. <laughs> <laughs> no, that did not cross my mind. <laughs> the only time that crossed my mind is when uh, they were talking to Fa- Bill Foster and he had mentioned how he wasn't able to keep Janet safe and he started to get angry. And that I was, was like, the part. I was like, ooh. Yeah, that was the part. I was like, is he ta- did he just refer to the, the wife beating thing? I don't know. Well, the same, we saw the same thing in the original Ant-Man with the opening. Uh-huh. They mention her and he smashes like his head off the desk or whatever. I don't know if they've ever, I don't know if they will ever they mention that, but they, they, they definitely will not. That, that, that's a hot subject. And I don't think they will even play remotely towards that. This is not the 1960s you know, or 70s or whenever that, that whole deal happened. Things like that would not go over well. Which is a shame because it would be an interesting exploration of the character. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Um, That was a huge story arc. That was a big deal. And it kind of of brought in to a light of focus uh, spousal abuse. And that it's not just bad people. Sometimes it's the good guys that it happens with. That almost that kind of like you don't truly know somebody until they're at their means of breaking mm-hmm. and then they show their true self. And that, that was a, that was a huge deal. Hank Pym, uh, hitting Janet was kind of like a, it was a big shock. 
For sure. I remember my uncle telling me about when he read it. I will describe it the same in this way. When we read Walking Dead and Glenn got killed. Oh, yeah. He said it was very similar in that state. Yeah. He put the comic down and he said, holy fuck, what did I just read? Oh, yeah. Huh. So, with all of, all of that being said, I think it's time to rate. Rate or die. Rate or die. <laughs> the Ant-Man movie. Tony, what would you give the Ant-Man and Wasp? I will give it a solid 8 out of 10 childhood gilfs. <laughs> How many childhood gilfs did you have? Uh, well, there was B. Arthur. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Never mind. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> if I had to answer truthfully, I would give it six and a half out of 10 truth serums. <laughs> The truth serum. I totally forgot about the truth serum. <laughs> That's a pretty low score for saying that you liked it more than the first game, man. Well, I really don't know what my rating system means anymore. So <laughs> I don't know what I, I just randomly me. pick a number out of the hat. And that's pretty, my rating. <laughs> pretty much. It's pretty much what I do. Our rating system means nothing. Diddly. Yeah. Go see it for yourself. Make your own rating system. It's definitely worth the the... I think I'll watch. I think I'll go see it a second time. I want to because I'm sure I missed a lot of things. There's apparently supposed to be a lot of hints of what's to come in the quantum realm. I kind of figured that there's but so much going on. It is like I uh, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> that's that's one of those things that you do when it comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah, like freeze frame, freeze frame, and go frame by frame by frame. Oh man, we we went into the nerd realm. Mm-hmm. I think that'll do it for that'll this. Do. Review of Ant Man and the Wasp, another another win for Marvel. I think they're they're zero for twenty. Zero for twenty. It's a hell of a batting <laughs> average right there. It is even like even the lesser movies like you know Dark World and uh, the Incredible Hulk. I still would never say are bad movies. Mm-mm. Yeah, keep it up, Marvel. Be sure to check us out every week on the Pod Bros Podcasting Network, um, where you can find us and tons of great shows like Dave's Nerd Companion, which Tony just you just. Did something I, with him? Yeah, I'm not sure if I can talk about it just yet. Top okay. Secret, top secret. Mm. As soon as I get the okay, then I'll, I'll let everybody know. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's top secret. You can also find us on wherever podcasts are listened to. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all of that stuff. Really. Everywhere. It's you everywhere. just, you could find us. I promise. Subscribe. You'll always be notified when we have a new episode up. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have tons of trailer reactions up of uh, right now. We have the nun, the predator Dumbo. And then there's also our Kapowcast tidbits, which is like a free sample of our show that you can give to your friends to be like, Hey, check these guys out. They kind of got a thing going on. <laughs> Never anything over six minutes. I think. I yeah. Think, I think so the longest just one's enough. been five. Maybe you'll laugh a little. Maybe you'll pee. I don't know. I hope it brings some joy into your life. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a Patreon where you have multiple tiers that you can help donate to. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, $2 tier in which we'll get you. I think that that's the one that gets you a uh, weekly shout out on the show. If you want more, there's the $3 tier that you get a shout out on our social media platforms. And uh, the $5 tier is the hidden Kapowcast track. <laughs> Which, by the way, thanks to our uh, two Patreons, Angel Doty, Janelle Kosowski. You guys rock. 
Thank you for remembering. <laughs> um, I think it's hilarious that we had Jeff, who is the least artistic person <laughs> of the three of us, try, the whole, try to draw a picture. That was that was a whole mistake. He should have never said it. It was a bad idea. <laughs> the whole thing is just really funny to me. Like it's just <laughs> it's such a weird quirky little deal and it's just like I just I don't get it like because he he volunteered himself he said I'll draw the picture and I like I kind of shot a look over to you when he did it I'm like okay like (laughs) you're sure yeah yeah I'm totally sure I don't think he thought anybody was gonna donate well sucks to be him (laughs) (laughs) I think that was his legitimate train of thought Nobody will do it. <laughs> and then a week later. <laughs> oh, shit, guys. I got to learn to draw. So I sent Jeff some uh, videos of Jim Lee drawing to try to inspire him. And I think it just dejected him even more. <laughs> it did. It really killed his spirit. He was just like, oh, fuck this. He's not even looking at him. He wasn't. There was parts where he's literally just like... Doing and like I've seen him do it with his eyes closed. He's just like, mm. I'm just, just like effortlessly. I'm just like this. That's what happens when you master a craft, man. It's true, very, very true. Please join us next week, where Jeff will be back, and we will discuss the 10th anniversary of one of my favorite comic book films, The Dark Knight. Ooh. Ooh. We don't take it too seriously. No, never. Until next time, I have been Mike. I told you. All right, that was interesting. The scene I said on the podcast. <laughs>